Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the cats right here in Lexington. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, we'll be talking about it right here on Locked On Kentucky. Uh, Kyle Tucker is feeling a little under the weather, and so tonight we have an upgrade, and we're joined by Derek Terry of the Catsballs, who we shouted out on the last podcast, so why not have him on this one? thought that would be a good idea. Um, we were watching the game back here in Lexington, Kentucky, defeated uh, Missouri. What the heck was the final score, Derek? 66 to 58. Have you already forgot about it? Yes, I am trying to get it out of my mind. The game was very, very boring. Not fun to watch, specifically the end. Uh, we'll go through all that. Stay tuned to this whole podcast, though, because at the end of it, we are going to share some of the audio that Kyle had when he interviewed John Calipari for the piece that he just posted on The Athletic um, most recently. Um, so that'll be at the end of this show. And this show is brought to you by La Rosa's. We'll tell you more about them in a bit. we got to talk about a lot of different things. Um, we're not probably going to go super in-depth in anything, partially because we don't know a lot on some of the topics and also because I don't. this game is pretty forgettable overall. Um, but we do want to talk about uh, P.J. Washington, Nick Richards, um, Reed Travis's injury, obviously, Kentucky's terrible second half, and uh, Jimmy's jet. And then we might mention football because there were stories, but that'll be at the end of it. And if we don't get it on this edition, we'll mention it in the next. Let's start out with P.J. Washington. He had 15 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and 18 minutes in the first half. And he finished with... 18 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists. So in the second half, he had 3 rebounds, 3 points, and an, and an assist. Not a very good second half for P.J. Washington. Yeah, and he played 19 minutes. So he didn't do a whole lot. Uh, which, then again, Kentucky only attempted 12 shots the whole second half. So it's not like they were really running the offense through anybody. Actually, Ashton Hagens and... Tyler Hero both shot four times. I mean, that combines for, what, two-thirds? Yeah. Right there. So, a really strange game. Uh, I can't remember a time ever covering the team when Kentucky only attempted one shot from the field in the final 6.57. That's just a crazy number. Um, You know, I don't know. I felt like they were kind of coasting to me in the second half. I mean, it was was a strange game. I mean, because they, they were up at 20 at one point, which I saw Corey Price tweet that it's the 12th time in the last 13 games that they've led by at least 20 at one point, which is which is very impressive. And then, of course, the one game that they did not lead by 20 was against LSU, and they were ahead by eight, or maybe even nine, I think eight, though, in the second half. So, I mean, you can still find some positives if you want in this game, but like you said, I think it's uh, pretty much a forgettable, a forgettable night for the Wildcats. In the second half, Missouri had 12 offensive rebounds. Kentucky had none. And that's probably the main storyline of the game. We probably should have started with it. Reed Travis, um, in the second half, Keldon Johnson came down on his knee, and then he went to the locker room, went under his own power. It was reported UK Athletics tweeted out, UK Basketball tweeted out, that it was a sprained knee. And obviously we don't know it much now, um, but you know, just looking up sprained knee, it's... Depending on the severity, like a lot of factors go into how long he'll be out. But, uh, 
I mean, it was pretty evident <laughs> that they missed him, considering how poorly they rebounded in the second half. Yeah, I mean, obviously Reed brings that physical presence, and Kentucky was doing okay, you know, rebounding before he went out. But that's a pretty surprising stat that she said they they didn't record a single offensive rebound in the second half. And Kentucky's a very good offensive rebounding team. I mean, one of the best in the country in terms of offensive rebounding percentage. So again, though, I think some of that's just effort. And you know, once Kentucky got a lead. I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but they're playing in a gym that maybe wasn't even half full. I mean, it was basically empty. Not a whole lot of energy in there. Once they built up the lead, they were able to just kind of do whatever. Those, yeah. I mean, they you can play that badly in the last, I don't know, 15 minutes of that game and still, I mean, Missouri got it down to, to six, I think, but it was with 13 seconds left. I mean, the game was the game was practically over early in the second half. So I'm not going to look too deep into this one, I don't think. Uh Reed Travis, that's that's the big storyline. If Reed's out for for you know two weeks or so, I mean, if he if he can't go against Tennessee, then obviously it meant something. You and Kyle, I'm sure, will touch on much closer to the well, game. Here, it's real just speculation. Quick, um, Kyle, UK basketball is tweeting out as we're recording here. Um, on Reed Travis's knee, hopefully he's okay. Um, he said that his knee was bothering him. I think we all saw that <laughs> when he yeah. came out of the game. <laughs> so not much of an up, uh, update there from from John Calipari. And uh, we probably won't know anything at, until the earliest by Friday. And I would venture to guess that there wouldn't be much of an update even then. It'll probably be the classic. Yeah, his knee's been bothering him. He'll, they'll probably admit if he was practicing or not. I would venture to guess he will not practice probably the rest of this week. And then we'll see if he goes against Auburn, and then it'll it'll reset, and we'll try to figure it out again next week. Um, But obviously, he's such a key component. But that does let us talk about the other two bigs. And it was probably fitting, because in the last episode of the show, I was basically begging for John Calipari to give EJ Montgomery Nick Richards minutes, and Nick Richards had a phenomenal first half. He scored seven points, had four rebounds, and only seven minutes in the first half. Um, he cooled off in the second half, but as we mentioned a minute ago, basically everyone on the team did. Uh, overall, let's see, um, in the second half, Richards had no stats with the exception of two fouls. <laughs> EJ Montgomery had one rebound and two fouls. Man, that up rebound total is unbelievable. Only eight yeah. rebounds in the second half for Kentucky. That's that is just ridiculous. They had zero field goals in the final six minutes and fifty-seven seconds. So, um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say about the second half. I guess you mentioned the positive of Hagen's and Hero. Hero continues to be great from the line. Uh, didn't miss a free throw in the game again. You know, he's, he, I think he's now over, if I, if I saw that correctly, over ninety-three percent for the season um, with what he did against Missouri tonight. Hagen started out atrocious. He was. He had no points, four turnovers, and one assist uh, early on in the second half, and he finished uh, with 12, or no, let's see, his full stat line was 12 points, two assists, four turnovers. So he had 12 points and an assist uh, in the second part of the second half. So like a majority of the second half, he was he was pretty impressive. So I guess those are the positives, but... I mean, I don't know what else to take away. Uh, yeah, Emmanuel quickly got hit in the head a lot. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he took a pretty hard screen. Uh, and one thing to know, just reading these uh, tweets from UK's Twitter accounts, Cal Perry told the media that he was trying to take the air out of the ball for the second half. And I think he doesn't seem too upset just based on what I'm – obviously we're not there, but just based on what I'm reading, it seems like once Reed went down, he was just trying to get out of there and – 
mission accomplished, right? If you're just trying to take the air out of the yeah. ball because they barely take any shots and you get out of there with a victory. Uh, and, and but going back to Hagen's though, you know, Cal stuck with him because he wasn't playing great at all in the first half. I think he had oh, three or four turnovers, didn't score. Yeah, and you can probably make the argument he was the best player in the second half. Yeah. So that's good for him because he, he turned it around against Tennessee, had a really good night, and that was that came on a stretch where he had been, you know, probably playing as bad as he had been since he pretty much became the full point guard. So I think in that first half you could maybe write that he was kind of reverting back a little bit, but he, he finishes strong in that second half, and, and that's something good for him to build off because, I mean, just so much of Kentucky's defense starts with him. And then offensively, I went back and watched the Tennessee game a couple of times, um, and Hagen's was just great in that first half, getting to the rim and finding guys. I mean, a lot of those Kelvin Johnson threes were set up by Hagen's finding him when he was open. So obviously a, a really good sign for Kentucky if, if Hagen's is able to get back into the form that he had been playing uh, early in the SEC schedule. Coming up next, we got to make some facts about something we mentioned yesterday on the podcast, and we're going to talk a little football because there was some big, pretty big news today. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to tell you guys about La Rosa's, which is coming to Lexington in May, uh, right beside Skyline Chili. La Rosa's is a Cincinnati thing. Uh, it was started by Buddy La Rosa's over 40 years ago, and actually way longer than 40 years ago. It was started in 1952, and you shouldn't do math in the evening, kids. Um, and what makes La Rosa special is all the family recipes. Uh, you got to try their pizza, their pasta sauce, all kinds of stuff. They have they have over 40 selections uh, on their menu, and all those are available for carry-out, dine-in, or delivery. And what makes their restaurant great is they're super family-friendly, um, and it's just a great place to hang out. Or, like I said, you can have it delivered or pick it up and then take it back to your house. You can get some more information at LaRosa's.com. And if you're up in, you know, the northern Kentucky or Cincinnati area and giving us a listen, you can go check out your local LaRosa's. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Last night, let me get this text I got, Derek. You said you listened to the last edition of this podcast because you were mentioned so heavily because you're mm-hmm. super narcissistic. <laughs> no um but uh we were talking we were joking about the whole reed travis being on an iv and now you know i made a joke that uh we were you know we were saying that reed travis kind of didn't like that his fitness was was being in questioned by john calipari in a sense and uh now uh you know he might actually be injured uh, and I, I said that after this game, John Calipari might say that Reed Travis is in an iron lung. Obviously, he, there was real injuries to kind of maintain. But I do want to clear something up. Um, I made a joke about chugging a bag of IV fluid and would text was texted by someone and said that that would never happen. IV fluid is 0.9% sodium and chloride, and it tastes awful. So, lesson, never chug iv fluid because then i got another tweet from sarah because i i tweeted out that text i got and sarah stacy said correct i'm a nurse and i splashed some iv fluid in my mouth years ago and spit for an hour oh so now you know yeah iv fluid is gross i didn't know that uh never had an iv from what i remember so well congratulations doing a pretty good job staying uh staying hydrated never been in a situation where uh you know, I never had to had to go up against Grant Williams for for forty <laughs> minutes and had to 
had to be uh, not replenished with an IV after. You know, the, the one thing about that, not to, I know this was yesterday's news, but just the way Reed looked at me. I mean, you know him being in the media. He, he never takes his eyes off anybody, and, and he looked away from me whenever I asked that question. I think he felt sorry for me that I would uh, I would ask that. He was trying to be nice about it, but you could tell. And another thing is, you know, I doubt Reed is, is going back and reading the transcripts after the game, like Cal saying, I'm really not sure how much he really knew or how often Calipari has spoke of him being in an IV. But listen, I took it literally. I think most people did I took in the literal. media room. So, I mean, someone's got to ask. And uh, I asked, and... It worked out though. I mean, the story was the story was that you know he's he's UK's physical presence, and there's no question without him. I mean, he's he would be a huge loss. Yeah, and you know I don't know. I guess hooking an IV doesn't help get your knee get better <laughs> any quicker. So I don't know what they're going to do now. Um, but obviously, they got all the the best the best um, physical therapies and everything that Kentucky uh, can offer. Um, another quick note: they are staying in the UK basketball team is staying in Columbia tonight because of. Uh, inclement weather and I don't think that um, John Calipari seems super thrilled about that from the way I'm reading comments on social media all right let's let's get into real quick these football notes Derek uh, according to your colleague Josh Edwards at the Cats Balls in 247 Brad White is going to become Kentucky's next defensive coordinator a lot of people thought this was going to happen um, when Madhouse took the job with the Chiefs um, overall do you think this is a good move yeah, I think it's a really good move. I think Brad White, it turned out to be Matt House, but whenever um, Mark Stoops during the, the National Signing Day press conference talked about how he was hearing more from NFL teams regarding his assistance than in previous years, I just automatically assumed Brad White was one of those guys because he came from the NFL after spending quite a few years on the staff uh, in Indianapolis. I thought there was a chance Kentucky might lose him this offseason just because of the the work previously he had done with the Colts. And then you come to college, your one season here, he helps develop Josh Allen into potentially the number one pick. So that resume was definitely boosted. And I think uh, becoming an SEC defensive coordinator uh, will look really good for him. I mean, Brad White's still a, a really young coach. And, and, of course, Mark Stoops has his, has his fingers all over the defense. You know, how much Brad White's actually going to be calling plays and whatnot, I'm not sure. But – Promoting him seemed like the seemed like the logical move, and and you know he's that, that defensive staff has a lot of experience. I mean, talking about Dean Hood, a guy who was a defensive coordinator at Wake Forest for for six years, I believe, and then Stephen Klingscales had the title of of co defensive coordinator when he was at Cincinnati. So just a lot of experience uh, among that group, and yeah, and brad weidel he'll only add to that and still maintain his outside linebacker coaching duties as well yeah and then the uh parent replacement uh for matt house in the sense of inside linebackers coach is john sumrall who played at kentucky i would have ventured to guess a lot of people were familiar with that name he was on staff with old miss uh, apparently is really a solid recruiter uh which is obviously very very important and when it got with a guy like brad white who has so much nfl experience and i mean i'm this is just me projecting and i don't necessarily know this as fact but you would assume that his recruiting isn't up to the level as of a guy who's been in the college game for a longer time so this is i feel like is a great kind of mix and match there um and these it seems like uh, stoops has been able to fit the pieces of the defensive staff uh together really well yeah so uh, general rule of thumb uh regarding fans it's typically when schools will lose a coach, they you know they kind of brush it off, no big deal. And, and but from what I've read, it seems like 
uh, most of Ole Miss media and uh, fans um, are disappointed to see Summerall grow because of the the job he uh, did for the 2019 recruiting class for Ole Miss. I mean, he was he signed five kids. Uh, one of those is a four star junior college kid. So I mean, his connections. He's from Alabama, like you said. He played at Kentucky from 2002 to 2004, but he's a Huntsville native. Uh, coached at Troy, coached at Tulane, uh, and then of course uh, at Ole Miss. I mean, his ties are, are in the Deep South. Uh, and, and I saw a tweet, uh, I forget who it's from, but that he, he also recruited Louisiana a little bit. And, of course, Kentucky signed uh, Monty Gilmore from Louisiana this season and went hard after Devontae Lee. And they've already offered several kids in the 2020 class from Louisiana. So it, it makes sense if you're trying to add more of a footprint to Louisiana that you would get a guy with connections down there. But I, I think for a hire like this, you, you were looking for somebody who, who could – get into the south because Matt House did a really good job especially in Georgia in this recruiting class and then also uh, going back to the 2018 class as well recruiting the south so he's a rising star I think you got two guys like that now on your staff I mean of course Brad Wyatt was already labeled as that but you know Summerall's a guy who I mean let's say here in a couple years Brad Wyatt gets another opportunity somewhere else I mean I think Mm -hmm. he might be another logical guy you can promote with from within I mean that's it's two straight defensive coordinator hires now that uh, Mark Stoops has has just promoted a guy from within so he may be a guy to watch down the line and and being a UK guy he might be you know sticking around a little bit more than some other guys would um all right we'll wrap up uh the portion with our man DT here and we got to talk about the most important topic of the night one did you know all those things could fit through a basketball rim no i didn't uh well you put a trash can uh you put carry-on luggage a gatorade uh water cooler um two basketballs and laura Laura rutledge through the through the hoop you know it's crazy um that might help my game when I go back to the, the church league on Sunday. I'm going to need it. It's all mental. I've not made a shot from the floor yet. I only made one free throw. So I'm going to need to uh, – I'll remember Jimmy whenever I get up there that it shouldn't be that hard to make a shot, right? If you can fit two basketballs and a human body through there, you should be able to shoot a basketball yeah. through, through the hoop. And then most – It's kind of comical, though, the, the carnival hoop that he put through there, how much smaller it was. Yeah. And, I mean, how, how does anyone ever make those? Yeah, that's uh, – uh, yeah, it just shows you daggone carnies. Yeah. Um, that wasn't nice. If you're if you're a carnival <laughs> worker out there, I meant no disrespect. But most importantly, Jimmy's jet is back, and Kentucky is in first class, according to Jimmy Dykes. That means, in his mind, they are on track for a one seed, uh, which I think most people kind of thought. And I think that, that much will be decided down in Knoxville in, what, 11 days from now. So, uh, you know, lots of games to be played, but for Kentucky to be in that position, when you consider where they were, I mean, I don't know where you want to to take the snapshot of the season after the Duke game, after the Seton Hall, after Alabama, you wouldn't have expected them to be in the situation they are. So, uh, overall, probably a positive uh, from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, the Duke game happened so early, but it was so jarring, I guess, that, to, to me, that the real game was Seton Hall. Once he lost to Seton Hall, I thought, I mean, this is. I'm not sure how good this team's going to be because I mean, Seton Hall was an okay team even at the time, uh, and I've actually not looked at their record in a couple of days. But they went on a little bit of a skid in Big East play. I'm not sure if Seton Hall is going to be a tournament team or not. And Alabama struggled a little bit. I feel like Alabama should be better than what it is. And this their season. their tournament. I- hopes i think are done because they just lost tonight against texas a&m texas a&m so uh you know they're i would imagine they were they were right on the bubble 
and I'm guessing they're probably out yeah. of it now. And that's coming off an 18 point loss to Florida at home, I believe. So, you know, the LSU loss is not bad at all. I mean, you, you never want to drop a game at home. I mean, Kentucky very rarely loses at upper end anyway. But LSU's a good team. I mean, I think they moved up to 13th in the AP poll. Mm-hmm. Um, if they win Saturday, it would be a surprise if they don't win the SEC. Because I mean they're gonna help, they're gonna hold tiebreakers over Kentucky and Tennessee. Yeah. So even if they drop a game somewhere else, they're gonna hold that and still be the number one seed. So no, but for Kentucky to be where it is right now, uh, I think you would take this if you're a fan because you've seen the improvement. Um, you know, the last three losses, even if Alabama and Seton Hall aren't gonna be tournament teams, you know Seton Hall made some big shots at the end of the game and Alabama. Uh, Hero had a shot to win it at Alabama. So you've lost your last three games by combined five points. If those go a little bit different, I mean, maybe you're riding a, a crazy win streak into this, and, and who knows how the dynamics would change if that was the case. But um, overall, like you were saying with the Tennessee game, I've got to think if Kentucky wins out in the regular season, it's going to be in great shape to get a one seed. With the loss at Tennessee, I'm not sure because maybe they meet again in the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. But I think we have seen in some years, though, I'm not, I'm not so sure how the SEC's really played into some of the seeding. It seems like it's not helped them. Maybe I just listened to John Calipari too much, but yeah, I, I do think there's been some cases where winning those games late didn't necessarily do a ton for their resume. You brought the you bought the Calipari propaganda, Derek. <laughs> Shame on you. Um, coming up next, we are going to share that audio. Uh, Kyle Tucker interviewing John Calipari about coaching. Um, keep your ear out because <laughs> as you as you as it goes John Calipari doing John Calipari things you'll be able to hear him get out of his car in the dinging (laughs) which was kind of comical to me Uh, so stay tuned for that you are locked on Kentucky part of the locked on podcast network I always you know I I learned from the guys that I work for you 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 know whether it be the coach that you're following you're always respectful Uh, the coaches that were there before you you're always respectful and I did try, um, even early in my career, um, to, you know, praise other coaches. Um, you know, may not have been, you know, something that anybody made note of, but I tried to. But it, as you get older in this, um, the one thing that John Chaney did teach me, if you become obsessed with another coach, you lose. And so anytime I see that I'm looking at people who are obsessed with me, my whole thought process is they're, they're losing right. because I'm not going to, I'm not going to be obsessed. You know, my, my thing at this point is, you know, unless somebody makes it personal, I, I won't make it personal. Right. You know, it's just me doing my job, you doing your job. And if we're both about the kids, you know, Let's see how it turns out. What was what was your approach when you back in the days when it was like if somebody was coming at me, I'm coming back at you. I mean, would you say you were much more well, of a fighter back then? I don't know if I was much more of a fighter, but I was under attack. I mean, it was like we were upsetting the apple cart, and they weren't going for it. And yeah. so uh, initially, you kind of sit back and take shots, and then you get to the point: enough is enough now. And so you you would you know you battle back and you you know use the term there are no free blows now. Right. You take a shot, but one's coming back at you, 
it's not there's no free free shots here. This is to take shots, you know, and, and and again some of it was trying to get the program to take pride and, and build a culture. You know, some some would say, Well, always us against the world. Well a lot of times that's what it felt like. Right. And I had to get the team's gonna take on your personality and you have to understand when I took over UMass we were the fifth losingest program in the decade of the 80s. I didn't say in 1988 <laughs> or 87. Right. I'm saying for a decade, we were the fifth losingest. And we had to create a culture that winning mattered. And as you do that, the people that you're trying to jump, you go from last and you're trying to work your way up the ladder, you're going to go over people. You have to. There's no choice. So as you climb, you know, the people you're climbing aren't happy. So now it's like, and I always used to say, you know, if you want to lose every game, every coach in the league will love you. They've been the greatest guy ever. When you start moving people down, they're not going to love you and they're not going to be happy with you. They're going to throw accusations and everything else and you just got to deal with it. You know, if you sleep good at night, you know you're doing the right thing by your kids. I mean, the rest takes care of itself. I mean, even to this day, my whole thing is coach your team, man. Coach these young people. Let the other stuff happen. The other thing I want to tell you, getting fired and surviving, like, did a lot to change me and how you do this. I mean, you know, find out that, well, you just... You can survive whatever happens. Like, if somebody chooses to say, we don't want you to be the coach here anymore, okay. And you can, now, I'm, I'm at a different stage at this point now. My, you know, I'm older now, but. Well, that's what I was going to ask is like now, one, now that you're older, but two, now that you're in a place where you're not climbing anybody, you're, you're, at, you're at the mecca of college basketball. The way you talk about and deal with other coaches is some of that at least you wanting to treat the the guys trying to c- scratch their way up uh, more respectfully than maybe or better than you were treated when you were trying to... Well, I don't, I don't think it was that bad. I, I don't think... It was, it was more of a competitive thing right? than people being disrespectful. I don't think... I can't remember any coach. I know there was a there was some competition and, you know, whether you were in New England and, and, and one guy's trying to be the best team in New England, and you walk in and say, well, we're the best team in New England. We're ranked. We're the, and now all of a sudden there's a back and forth there. Or you're in a league where your team never won a league tournament game. Not one. Wow. Or you're in a league where your team never was even close to ever winning the league. And all of a sudden, you win the league tournament and you win the league. No, people aren't happy about that. I mean, we competed with Phil Martelli, who's become a dear friend. But at the time, we were going at each other's throats. I mean, we're trying to win and we're both young and, you know, but no, I don't think I... But here's the, old, the, the other thing that I know now that I didn't know then. This is a really, really hard profession. Now, it's rewarding in so many ways, and not just financially, but, you know, financially, too. You probably have a lot of coaches that could never do or, or do what they're doing financially if they were in anything else. Right. And, 
but you find out that it's hard enough. Why, why would I make it harder on that guy and his family? Why would I do that? Unless I have that in my bones and it, that's who I am. And, and that's not who I am. I mean, I'd rather make it easier. And, and I'll say it again. Anybody who's obsessed with another coach, you're losing. Yeah. You're better off being coach your team. Be about your own team. Yeah. Don't keep reading all the other stuff on the other guy. And I'm better than him. And why is he getting this? And he doesn't deserve that. And I deserve that. And he must have done something to get this or to get that award. Somebody, you know, I mean, why? I mean, it's, it has nothing to do with anything other than it's like drinking a poison. Yeah. You know, why drink it? And the last thing I would ask you is, does it does it blow your mind as much as it probably blows the public's mind to re- to know that you're actually really are friends with John John Cheney now? I mean, the guys from Philly know it. The guys that are close to me know it. I mean, right after the incident, we did a. I was roasted by somebody American. Maybe it was Cancer Society. I can't remember. But I had John Cheney roast me. And we're talking weeks now after the season. So you're talking maybe a month after the season, three weeks, and, and he roasted it. And I wanted to put the stuff behind me and him to let him know and let everybody know. It was the heat of a moment, and I forgive him. So you should too. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do back then. And I think he respected that. And, and, and again, you know, did I bring that out of him? Probably probably did I was I trying to bring that out of him no but you know it probably did and then there was an overreaction and all the stuff and now it becomes 20 years later they're still talking about it and he and I are friends thanks so much for listening to this edition of Locked on Kentucky thanks to Derek Terry of the Cats Balls uh, be sure to be following him on Twitter at Derek S. Terry and find his work on catsballs.com and read his work on the print edition of uh, the publication. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Follow the show at Locked On UK. Uh, find the show on Facebook. Just search Locked On Kentucky. Please rate, review, subscribe, and most importantly, share this with somebody else who would enjoy the show. Thanks again to La Rosa's for sponsoring this edition of Locked On Kentucky, and we will talk to you guys soon. are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. He was trying to take the ball out of the half, out of the out of the, take the ball out of the air. Take the air out of the ball. There you go. <laughs> For the second half, I'm not been drinking. Uh